You're listening to the Fooled by the Root podcast. Welcome, precious people. Our next guest is a heart with legs. She is a foster adoptive mom who's helped over 150 kids with the goal of reunification with bio families. The audio on this one is a little bit rough, and I hope in spite of that that you can feel the gravity of her generosity. I met Vicki Jones through her foster adopted son, and she ended up helping me care for my sick adopted mom. This conversation was healing on so many levels. There are so many wow moments. I hope you enjoy. Hello, precious people. I am so overjoyed to introduce you to Vicki Jones. She is a foster parent and an adoptive parent and someone very special to me because she helped me take care of my adopted mom. She submitted for an interview and what she wrote was really powerful. So I'm just going to read that as a way to introduce her and then we'll talk to Vicki. Here's her message. As an adoptive parent and foster parent, I'd like to compliment the Clark County, Washington State foster care community. They've adopted more children than any other Washington County. This info was shared with me and is still valid as of June 2020, shared by our former foster care liaison. Those who try to adopt through foster care rarely have an easy path. The ultimate goal is always for reunification with healthy bio parents. However, this isn't how it always works out for the child. Many children don't find an adoptive home and they age out. Often foster parents aren't able to adopt children they've raised and loved for years. Our county has such a need for foster and adopt homes. Why? Because we have a steady loss of available homes due to many. Well, they close their license after adopting their children. I started fostering 16 years ago. Before the license came, I pretty much said I'm not adopting. Well, that went out the window. Foster child number one, became we became their legal guardian. We still have a connection. Foster child number two, our child through adoption. I can't imagine them not being part of our family. They lived at our home for 10 years and have been out on their own for six. Happy to say a grandbaby was born last May. We are crazy about this little miracle baby, one pound, five ounces at birth. To all the adoptees, I've, I've fostered over 150 children. I've cried a bucket of tears for their traumas. I've cried a bucket of tears for successful adoptions. I've celebrated reunifications also with their bios. Adoptees, you are amazing. Oh, Vicki, I'm going to cry. I pray you found (laughs) peace of mind, strength, and love. Last night, I listened to a well-known speaker. He was both a bio and an adoptive dad. His talk about how you can love an adoptive child as much as blood, of course you can. Two of the many examples he gave were, do you love and like all of your relatives? Ha ha. (laughs) If you're an animal lover, do you love your dog? Of course. Some people just absolutely love their fur babies like family. Well, you're not related to your pet. God bless your journey wherever you are in the moment. Wow, Vicki. So (laughs) I actually met your adopted son and I won't speak his name just for his privacy he started working for us and that's how I learned about you and and what you do and and I just think it's absolutely amazing 
And I'd like to know, Vicki, how how you started all of this. Like, what was the motivation to become a foster adoptive parent? Uh, wow. Um, I moved up here about, I think it was 2004. Before that, we were living in California. My work with children in California was I ran dance studios and a daycare. I was quite a busy lady. Um, I had a nephew that mentioned he was fostering and he was, you know, telling me some pretty cool things about his experience and some of his struggles. And I, I checked out a fostering agency in Marin County. And at that time, we went to a training, kind of like a uh, introduction type training. And we decided, no, this is going to be too difficult with all the other things I'm involved in. And, but it was always in the back of my head. So when I moved up to Washington and retired from teaching dance, I still had that in the back of my head. And um, so I, I took what they call a pride course. I don't know what they call it now to get licensed to be a foster parent. And from there, it, we have literally fostered over 150 kiddos. It's both the hardest thing I've done in my life uh, mm-hmm. and both the most rewarding thing I've done in my life. You have every kind of situation with these our kiddos. Um, I, we've seen a lot of trauma, but we've also seen a lot of healing. So there's been some pretty amazing kids come through our front door. Um, when COVID struck, we kept asking the state, what are you going to do to uh, protect everybody involved? Because we have a lot of appointments and a lot of visitations with family because it's always number one goal is to get the family back together and get everyone healthy. But we couldn't yes. get the answers we needed. So we took a break for seven months. And, um, but during that seven-month period, I started getting phone calls from a former foster child and we were hooking back up. This child lived with us for five years and they were going to be needing a place again. And so now we started fostering again. It's been really good because I was totally bored. Just like, how do you just sit at home? You know? So, well, um, I, I think I definitely think you are called to do this. And I think some of the controversies surrounding adoption, uh, you know, I really I think you have such an important view on this because of the sheer volume of kids that you have helped. And I think the controversy, at least I know in my own life, is that um, children that are adopted, that it's a win 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 situation that it's it's glossed over, that the, there's loss and trauma that is existing in the whole adoption constellation, starting with the birth mother. I mean, mothers don't just give up their children without a, a pretty significant reason. And, and I think what science is starting to prove is that that separation from the original mother creates a lot of psychological issues, even though the baby can't remember the loss it still exists in in the baby. So I think that's really, you know, something that I didn't even realize until about six months ago. And that was really helpful to me 
because I felt so guilty for having the desire to find my own birth family. And I think that what I hear from you is that the reunification, the healing of the original family is always the goal, but it's not always possible. And, and I right. just would love it if you, if you could speak to, you probably knew about the primal wound before <laughs> most people, just based on what, what you see from these, these kids. And I don't know if you can speak more to, to acknowledging that kind of pain that these, these children pack with them. Uh, I actually haven't heard about the primal wound. I do know that a, a lot of kids have attachment disorders. And even though they might find themselves in the most loving, adoptive home, um, there's, there's going to be issues there probably, you know. Um, there's just you know, every adoption, every child situation is, of course, unique. There's no one size fits all. But... Um, I can definitely see how children are always going to have a, a feeling of missing pieces, no matter how loving that home was. Um, my child actually has touched base quite often with his bio family, and we haven't had really any problems with that at all. So, you know, looking from our perspective, that's been a pretty good thing. But uh, no, I actually have not studied anything about the primal wound but I can understand well, you've had, how that you, definitely would work. Well, you, you've had a lived experience, Vicki. <laughs> uh, so so I, I think one of the things, too, that is, is really painful for adoptees when they do seek, if they don't have support um, from the adoptive family, that that's a really painful thing to go through because there's a lot of guilt and shame and often leads to estrangement and, and other problems. And I just wonder, like, I, I can appreciate how hard it would be to take care of a child and then suddenly that child is going to go find people that really originally rejected them. And it's complicated. And I just wonder, yeah. you know, how, how have you felt about that? Have you ever, is it hard for you when a child that you've loved on for so long, that, that desire to, to know the family or be reunited like, how does that feel for you? And what do you do? To, what do you tell yourself? And what do you tell them to help all parties? I actually didn't worry that much about it. Um, I, um, I really don't know what to say about that because I, I didn't worry that much in our situation. Um, mm -hmm. I, I knew we were very connected and I didn't have that big fear of I'm going to lose him and he's gonna go right back to the bios and never come back so i guess i was lucky you know but i can see where other people would definitely have worries yes and how and how can you ease their worries i mean is there anything you can say from your experience that you know i know vicky i can speak for myself when I, when I found my birth family and it, it basically destroyed my relationship with my mom, who you helped take care of. She was so important to me and she was my person. And I deeply, deeply believed that our love was resilient enough to get, get through it. And we just, we just didn't. And so it was such a horrible experience for me to um, have made a choice that, that cost so much in terms of my adoptive mom. I gained 
so much by knowing my birth family. It was really a horrible fence to be riding. So, you know, and I think you, you were able to witness some of that in your care of her because you became like a barrier between me and her. And I needed that, like it was safety. And so uh-huh. I just think, I just think if, if adopted parents are listening to this, I think if they can become more familiar with that, it, it's normal, if you will, for children to have different degrees of needing to know at different times in their life. How, how do you feel about that? Like, is there any reassurance you can give? Oh, I think that's absolutely true. You know, they're de- definitely going to uh, want to know their birth families. And like you said, different degrees of wanting that information. Uh, I would just ask the adoptive parents to, you know, keep that uh, communication open, you know, always t- let your child know I'm there for you. And um, we actually, me and my uh, current foster child, we've been watching Annie with an E and Annie. Oh, I love also, it. <laughs> I, I love that show. And there's a whole couple of episodes where she's seeking out her information about her birth family and Marilla and Matthew, the adoptive uh, so the adoptive parents, actually, they are siblings. Um, they're so scared of losing her. And I think mm. that's where adoptive parents are probably terrified, too. Maybe they're not putting words on that. But um, uh, anyway, we love that show. And there was actually a lot to learn. And uh, my uh, adopt my uh, foster child here, it, it was kind of upsetting her a little bit, you know, uh, mm. It was kind of bringing out some of her past traumas just seeing that show, but she loved the show, and we had lots of good talks about it. So, yeah, def- definitely for an adoptive family, just keep that avenue of communication open and uh, let them know you'll love them no matter what. You know. Yeah, you and I think it's. Be- Go ahead. No, I, I think you're right, Vicki. I, I think I was just going to say the same thing about love that you were, but I, I want you to finish that thought. It's just, uh, who says we can only love one set of parents? You know, love to be passed around. Yes, and I think, you know, I, I think the reality for adopted kids and foster kids, there are two sets of family. I mean, it's just what it is. It's a fact. And, you know, it, to ignore one or the other, it just doesn't work. I think it's really about figuring out how to manage it. And I wish so much, Vicki, that when, when my adopted mom was alive, that she would have had uh, more information, that I would have had more information so that we could have gone through this in a way that wouldn't have been so damaging to the other person. And, and I think that's why I feel it's so important for me to speak out now in hopes that other people will you know, seek out the help that they need and the understanding as they navigate these really complicated issues of, of identity and finding out who you are. And it is really rough. And if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to talk about, you know, your time with my adopted mom, you came in and helped me care for her at a time when our relationship was just so toxic and painful and the only thing I knew how to do was put a barrier between me and her. And that was through the caregivers. And it was almost this desperate need for protection. And I just wonder if you wouldn't mind, I, I'm willing to hear any sort of truth about this. What did it look like to you 
seeing that dynamic between daughter and mother. I, I would just like your perspective. Um, y- your mom asked me tons and tons of stuff about my uh, adoptive son. And we had many, mm. many conversations about it and how that felt and just, you know, things that we had to work on and, and stuff like that. But she never came out and said, I've adopted Heidi. I didn't know mm. that till quite towards the end end of my uh, helping your mom. So, um, and I don't remember really? how I found that out. No, I did Vicky, I had no idea. What? Yeah. She did not share that with me. And, um, but we had tons and tons of talks about my son and all his crazy episodes. He always had me (laughs) hopping. And, uh, but she didn't really share that you were adopted. And, and I don't know if she thought that was some kind of badge of shame or, or what. I mean, um, I, I read something the other day, and this person, actually, I can't think of her name, so I can't give credit to this person, but she said, and if you grew your brood through adoption or surrogacy, surrogacy or family blending, those are your babies, and you sit proudly at the table of motherhood. So I, mm. I never really kind of understood why your mom just didn't come out and say, yeah, you know. That's how I got Heidi too, you know. So I I didn't press her on it. I didn't really talk about it, but I did share tons about my kiddo, you know. Well, that's that's so interesting to know, Vicky. I'm so glad I asked you because one of the most painful things when I when I found my birth mother, and I I called my my mom who raised me, and I was so nervous and excited because I just felt like this was a journey we were going to take together. And I wanted her with me. And, and I knew the moment I made that phone call that our relationship would never be the same. And it was devastating because one of the things she said to me during that call was that basically that she didn't want to believe I was anyone but hers. And I think for her, it was too painful to consider that I might have belonged to someone else too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that denial, you're confirming it. And it made it so hard because for me, and I don't think she meant it this way, but it felt like rejection of who I was and who I was and who I am is an adopted child. And um, she always told me that I was adopted and she always told me she would love me no matter what. And, and, and Vicki like to know that, that decision cost us 20 years of just torturing each other. It's really, really hard um, because she was so important to me. And, and, you know, at the end of her life, it was just the two of us there. And I, I just hope somehow that there can be peace about it. But it, a lot of adoptees suffer from, they either wait until their adopted parents are passed so they don't have to deal with the guilt and shame of finding, or they mm-hmm. do things like I did, which is kind of sneak around. And once I knew my mom rejected the idea, I, I kind of started having an affair with my birth family, which had all kinds of guilt too, because I knew I mm-hmm. couldn't be truthful with my mom. So it just, it was just a very unhealthy situation. And I think being able to talk to you about a better way and 
And that, you know, I think sometimes we get in our own way with our own insecurities. Because honestly, Vicky, I I love my mom still to this to this day. And I, I missed her greatly even when she was alive. Like I to miss somebody so much when they're still here. It was such a huge loss to not have her support. Um, and so I think that I'm sharing my pain specifically because I want people to realize that love is durable and that we can weather these things together. And that, like you said, the table of motherhood, what a gorgeous image, like what a beautiful image that is. Um, I just thank you for that. And, you know, can you, can you tell me, Vicki, like, what is this? You said that this has been the best and the worst. Can you just give me a basic example of one worst and one best moment? <laughs> oh boy! Um, I know it's I, probably plenty. Yeah, I don't know about the worst. Um, I think the worst would be seeing the state sending a child back to a home that was not ready, and mm. um, absolutely, you knew in your heart there's no way this child needs to go right now and um getting a phone call from that child from the hospital saying i've been run over and, and what I, yeah and, and i said what i and he talked a little off i've been run over and, and oh. i said what happened and i was riding my bike well no parent eyes on this child riding their bike bike who's ADHD to the max, who absolutely needs to be watched over, had a car back up over on him and ended up with some plastic surgery and stuff on their arm uh, mm. because it was to the bone. So that was oh. probably my worst. That was my first foster child. Uh, my, uh, no. In fact, I, was, I became his legal guardian. And then the state did it again. I had a sister for four years and they sent her home. I said, no. You're, you're, this is going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing. Something's going to happen. Well, something did happen, and that child ended up at the hospital. Um, mm. Happy to say I got her back, and happy to say she's adopted by a wonderful family. Um, and I still have contact with that child. She's now 18 and uh, doing what great. So those are what I that could be my worst and my best. <laughs> Because uh, well, and you know that that's a beautiful example because I think part of the reason my husband and I actually considered doing foster parenting, but I knew Vicky emotionally I wouldn't be able to let go. No. I would be digging, I'd be digging holes and like taking them to Canada or something. So I knew I didn't have the, I knew I didn't have the emotional capacity to and the maturity to separate. Like I, I wouldn't yeah, have been I, able to do it. I and think so. In your situation, that would be true. Uh, foster parents get a lot of secondhand toxicity. Um, I spent many days worrying about kiddos and what they came from and what they went through. And it's like, that's a nightmare. I've had every kind of horrible situation come through our door. And uh, so my husband and I, we did counseling. Just, you know, it was, mm -hmm. they called it family counseling. It was just Rick and I. And um, it helped a lot. It helped me work through a lot of stuff uh, because, you, like I said in that little letter you read, you do cry a bucket of tears for these kiddos. Um, and yeah, it's just 
a lot of stuff weighs on you very heavily. Yeah, Vicki, and, and I just, I, I think as we start to wrap things up here, I'd really like to spend a few minutes. I think there's so many misconceptions about older children and fostering and that the damage that they've received is just going to wreak havoc if you bring these kids into your life. And, and obviously they're going to have huge wounds that need to be tended to. But what can you say to encourage people to maybe help these kids in need as they're trying to reunify with their bio families? You know, what, what can we do to get people to open up their homes and their hearts without so much fear? You know, because I know it's complicated, but I just think people have an idea in their head maybe about what fostering is and they avoid it. Uh, it's it's very hard to find an adoptive home for for teens. They they don't get adopted that, you know, not like the little ones. Um, we always have taken advantage of therapy, and and every child that's come through my house, I'd say ninety five percent of them we had a therapist, and if that one didn't work out, we found a better therapist. Uh, we also attended church on and off, and if the kids didn't want to go to church, they didn't have to go, but um, that also helped our kiddos. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of wounds, and if you're lucky, you, you use your resources. Um, you know, the state gives us resources with classes. Like I said, the therapist, our, we can go to our church. We can go to, I used to do, um, I used to belong to a group a foster care parent support group. Uh, I did that some, but it was kind of hard to get out of the house because I had so many children. But um, there's <laughs> different a- avenues. Yeah, yeah so, so you can get support. And and what would you say to encourage people to foster? Like, what kind of what kind of tenacity does one have to possess to take this on? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, what kind of tenacity? I actually wouldn't recommend it for families with young children. I don't recommend mm. fostering. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But there's so many things that are brought into your house that were never in my home with my my own kiddos that you don't want to expose your young ones to that. So I, mm. I think fostering actually is a great thing for older parents. I'm 67. And um, I don't have any little kids in the house. So I think grandparents if you're feeling bored and your your nest is empty you know become a respite provider give a foster parent a break um um become a full-time foster parent if that's you know what you think you have an idea for um it's definitely a need i just had this pop up on my facebook feed it says the system is losing foster parents at a rate of 30 to 50 percent each year and social workers are walking away at a similar rate, roughly 40%. And that's according to the CDC. That was a report that came through the CDC. In our county, we have such a large community that adopt foster kiddos. We lose um, an incredible amount of foster homes. And there's kids that spend the night in the department or a hotel. And they're very no. desperate. Yeah. Oh, no. We get a lot of calls. Um, for kiddos, uh, yeah, they're they're definitely. Last summer it was bad. It just we lose a lot of families, and and it's a great thing that 
our foster community is doing a lot of adopting, adopting, but we can't replace them fast enough. So, well, yeah, because I know, I know when we considered doing it, we were starting training and it was pretty long. Like it took a while. It's not just an overnight thing to prepare no. for help helping these kids out. Well, I think is, is there anything else you want us to know, Vicki? Like you, you have just an incredible experience, a lifetime of helping these children, you know, over the last 16 years, 150 kids. That's just mind blowing to me. I think you should write a book. I really do. <laughs> um, are there, is there anything we didn't cover anything that, you know, we're going to have a lot of people listening to this. We're going to have helping professionals, social workers, of course, which are in that category. We have therapists who want to become more adoption competent or are already. So this is really a learning format. And of course the adoption constellation birth you know, original families and adoptees and adopted parents. So knowing that that's kind of the audience, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that might, that is coming to mind? Um, I think of a couple of ladies, uh, families I know that adopted their children through foster care. And I just think how these kiddos are doing wonderful and they're in the right place and you know they're like a flower and they're blooming and um mm. I just kind of would ask your audience to uh consider it. do they have room at their table for another child and do it for the right reasons and it, it's an it's definitely a challenging thing to do to be a foster parent but like I said it's also an amazing thing uh, you meet such amazing kids and a lot of resilience out there and I know there's a lot of trauma but I'd like to look at the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow instead of uh, the rain clouds so anyway yeah, thank I'm you so yes <laughs> no, that's so beautifully said, because I think the trauma is real. And, and, you know, I don't think many human beings escape it. But I think with adoptees, it's so deeply rooted in foster kids, of course. And, and I think just the acknowledgement of it, and the management of it, being able to speak our truth, being able to be supported as we discover our stories, knowing that there is, you know, redemption, and that there is blooming and that we have a seat at the table. And that motherhood looks like many different things. I think those are so, such beautiful thoughts to, to help with the healing process because it's, it is painful to, to be rejected by your original family. It takes a lot of work to find value in yourself. And I think when others give like you do and take a moment to put that chair at the table, it's definitely a huge start. And Vicki, I just, from my heart to yours, I just want to tell you that you made a difference in my life, uh, helping me with my adopted mom when I didn't have the capacity, that your loving heart touched my life. And I, just the work that you've done in the world has made it better. And I just feel so appreciative to you for taking the time to talk to us. And just, I'm so glad humans like you exist. <laughs> so I, I just You're really right. appreciate you being I enjoyed your mother. We had some good times. Yeah, I feel the same way. I wish we could have just, I wish we could have figured it out, Vicki, and not wasted 20 years because we were buddies. Like, there, 
there was so much that we missed because of the inability to figure out how to move through the pain. And it feels like a tragedy to me that I want other people to avoid because love is yeah. love is really all that matters in the end. And to lose each other over the thought of losing each other makes absolutely zero sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> so your, that's, your a, that's a beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I think I was too, to be honest, like, I think I tried so many different things, but I just, I think, I don't think I 100% gave up, but I came really close to just feeling exhausted by trying. So I just had to survive it. And um, and that's not something I'm not necessarily proud of the way I handled it, but I did, we did what we did with what we knew. And I think when you know more, you're able to have a bigger toolbox and, and you can reach in it and say, all right, let's try this. Um, so for me, it might be too late with my relationship with my mom, but I think even after her death, Vicky, maybe I can change my relationship with her. Like, I feel like when I think of her now, it's not as painful. Uh, more of the good times mm -hmm. are popping back up. So that lets me know that maybe even after someone's gone, healing can take place. So, Absolutely. you know, hang on to that. Yes, I will, Vicki. Thank you so much for your time. And I will definitely be in touch with you and let you know when this podcast is going to be revealed. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. It was tell, great tell, talking tell, tell Rick I said hi. <laughs> okay. Bye, Vicki. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.